Hello and welcome to this episode of the coaching podcast from British Canoeing. So welcome to the coaching podcast. My name is Pete Catron, talent coach developer for British Canoeing. Uh, and today I'm really pleased to introduce Isla Wilkinson to the podcast. Um, known Isla for quite a few years. I think I actually helped sell her a boat or she helped haggle a boat off me years ago. Um, so uh, known her for a few years, but um, becoming a real big name in the sea kayaking world. Uh, so it's great to have her on and we're just going to chat around all things sea kayak coaching and, and just get Isla's perspective on some things. So Isla, do you want to do you want to give yourself a proper introduction to say me uh, stumbling around and getting it all wrong and that kind of stuff? So do you want to just tell us a little bit about who you are, how you got into into sea kayaking and your sort of journey as a, as a sea kayaking coach? <laughs> Hi, Pete. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> Um, how I got into sea kayak coaching. I got involved with the local club, Snowdonia Canoe Club, and there was a group of us who kind of got channeled along with Canoe Wales as we were going, they were going to, we were going to become coach ones. And so I kind of went through the canoe safety test and the, the two star and the coach one. And then someone on the line, I think I ventured outside of the, uh, the Snowdonia Canoe Club pod to, uh, to experience more people, I suppose. I think I came to Brennan and I did my coach too, and et cetera, et cetera there. And, and things just, just progressed. I didn't intend to become a full-time coach. I was working and had a nice steady job at the time. I kayaked around Anglesey, not Anglesey, around um, Ireland. And um, that made me had to quit work. And then I became a full-time coach after that. I progressed through the UKCC system. Um, I became a coach three, advanced water coach. And then I've recently become an advanced water Sea kite leader assessor as well, um, and I'm pro pro providing the online coastal navigation. And then next week, next month, I've got an open water nav. Um, I'm I'm going to be processing hopefully as well. So that's kind of where I am really. Wow. So yeah, you've gone full full journey, haven't you? From from club participant to now educate educating club paddlers as well. From all your experience, that's pretty that's pretty awesome, isn't it? That. That, that's a good and cool. yeah and I think it's cool because I'm uh, I'm female as well and there aren't so many females at this kind of point so and I'm also I'm quite quite small person I'm quite petite and little which I think is advantageous is it just helps show that you haven't got to be a big huge kind of six foot butch person um to do a lot of stuff on the sea as well yeah, yeah I think yeah I think you, you're absolutely yeah what are you, you're like five five foot something aren't you <laughs> I'm aspirin six foot Pete Pardon? what was that Six foot, <laughs> five foot, not very much. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, th I think you're right. You, you know, there's not that many, you know, female coaches working at the level you're working at, particularly on the sea. Uh, and yeah, like you say, you don't have to be, you don't have to be, particularly, you don't have to be tall, you don't have to be particularly big. You've just got to be effective in your boat, haven't you, I think, and, and be able to, to do your thing. I, I think that's great. I think it's a really good story, the whole coming from a club and, uh, and almost by accident, you had to quit your job because you went on a big kayak. I love that as well. That's... <laughs> you never really worked, did you? That's great. I like that. And, and so, and so, sea kayaking is that your only discipline? That's that's all I know you you do. But is is that your only discipline? Is that your your main your main thing? Yeah, from paddle sports. I came from horse riding years back. I used to do eventing. So I had my daughter and then I had to get a sensible work and went in sensible work. Um, so yes, yeah, e-kayaking started off, I answered an advert originally for Plas Menai, uh, looking for some mock students. It, 
I soon I worked out right at the beginning that if you go and get a lot of coaching, you're going to get a lot better than if you just go and do it by yourself and just you know do the same mistakes again and again and again. I think that came from the the the, the horse world as well when I was eventing. Coaching is quite kind of key to the world. Um, so initially it was all flat water paddling and then rivers. And then I, I ended up on the sea. I ended up buying a plastic capella. Don't ask me how and why. Um, it's all a bit, <laughs> a bit random. I ended up buying this plastic capella. I've always had a calling for the sea. So yeah, I am completely single discipline with the sea. I am starting with surf, um, surf ski. I'm going to be adding surf ski to my repertoire of... Uh, if offerances come come next spring as well so yeah i'll have two disciplines then that's awesome yeah wow surf ski that's that's cool that's another podcast we could do another one on on, on surf ski oh yeah let's 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 active leisure surf ski not, not ocean racing this is about beginner to intermediate surf ski initially but yeah let's do that yeah that yeah that, yeah that, that, we'll park that one for now so we'll go off on a complete tangent won't we? but that, yeah wow <laughs> that'll be really good to see that on anglesey as well i've not I don't think I've ever seen a. I don't think I've seen a surf ski out in Anglesey yet. I mean, I've got a surf ski. I think I'm the only person, maybe. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's pretty big further south, isn't it? But we don't see it much up here. So, oh, wow, brilliant, brilliant. So, you, obviously, we well, we just talked about you're, you're based on Anglesey. So, you know, I think sea kayaking is one of the the disciplines where we we have to interact with the environment. You know, in it, sometimes it's planned. Sometimes we have to deal with whatever's in front of us. And, you know, you've chosen Anglesey to work. So, and that's a really dynamic place. You know, I've worked there for many years and, and know how one day it can be your friend and the next day it can, it can, you know, just get a little bit more lively than you expected. So, so do you feel like your coaching style is affected much by the environment that you work in then as a sea coach, particularly a sea coach where we are? That's interesting, isn't it? I've always thought that the coaching is within you. And then you kind of learn and develop, but maybe, yeah, maybe my coaching has developed through the sea. Maybe the sea is all part of, of me that's become the coach that I am. I don't know. That's interesting. Um, I think I'm extremely lucky to be here um, on Anglesey. Uh, you know, we've got everything we could ever want from, you know, all the conditions, even in, in gales, there's somewhere you can get out and do some, some pretty much flat water type paddling. We're very, very lucky to where we are. And that you're coaching, I think no matter where you are and, and what environment you're in, it develops and it changes for that moment, doesn't it? You know, you might have a, a plan for the day, then that's scuppered because the weather or the sea says <laughs> no chance, or you get to the sea and it's like, oh, I didn't quite expect to be looking like this today for whatever reason. And then you just adapt and change accordingly. Make, make advantage, take, make full use of what you have got. I think I'm really lucky to have this wonderful environment here. Yeah, I always think, yeah, Anglesey, yeah, you're right. Anglesey is, um, you know, being an island, no matter what, which direction really the wind's going, you can either go and use that wind or go and hide from that wind. And yeah, you, you're right. It's, it's about, it's, it is about being super adaptable in your coaching and, you know, realising that I was chatting to a school teacher once and he's, he was a kayaking coach as well. And he said, it's like, it's like walking down the corridor and going, I want to teach in this classroom, uh, but the door's locked. I need to go and teach in a different classroom today and my resources aren't there. I'm going to have to go in this classroom and work, make, make do with these different resources to, to try and get something beneficial out of the day. And I thought, oh, blimey, that is like, that is like sea kite coaching. Yeah. Sea yeah. <laughs> kite coaching. Sometimes you knew the door was going to be locked and that's okay. And other days you got there and went, oh, <laughs> that's. And other times you go to the door that's open and go, oh, there's another door that's open next door to it. I wonder what's inside there. And that gives you a whole new aspect and a whole yeah. new dynamic change as well. So, yes. 
So you like using that almost um, like an unplanned one, just using the opportunities that that sometimes the sea can give us, I guess, to to create learning environments and and get the best out of a day. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes there's a little tiny spot that's just going to create itself somewhere that gives you just a wonderful opportunity to do a little coaching session there, or you might move off somewhere else, or you might be intending to do something in a certain area, but you don't actually get to that certain area because along the route you found some even better suggestions of other ideas to do. So yeah, it's completely dynamic and things change. And you know, you've always got to have plan A, B, C, D and E, haven't you? But uh, best made plans and all of that. Do you, does that go with your mindset? So some people are, that, that I speak to, like if they can't work to a plan, they really struggle. So how do you, how do you, how do you manage that? Because some people really like a plan. Other people can work just off the cuff and deal with what's in front of them. Is that something that's, that you've learned to do or is that just like a natural thing for you to be able to do that? That's a good question. Um, I think it's possibly been there, but I think as, I, as I've developed, it's become more and more adaptable. Um, as you go through the coaching system, we're taught to create a session plan. We carry out the session plan. And I've learned right from the beginning that you might have a really detailed session plan. Fantastic. But you created that session plan last month. Well, a month, we don't know what the weather's going to be doing or what conditions we've got or where we can actually go or how your students are feeling or what's happening. So then you've got to change it. You can still follow that session plan to a degree, but just adapt it and change it and enhance it and work with what you have. Um, so yeah, I think, it, I think I've developed through the changes that's happened with the sea and with, with everything. I think that's development as a coach and individual, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think it's also it, it's vital, isn't it, to be able to, to realise when you need to change plans. I think you could definitely get into a lot of trouble if you didn't have that that real open mindset of I, I need to change something to, to get the best out of the day, but it might equally be for, you know, a safety reason. It might be conditions of change. Maybe someone in your group isn't, isn't performing how they, they thought they would, or you thought they would, and you need to make that, that change. So I think having that real creative sort of way of working and, and spontaneous way of working is really, really important. I think. But it's hard. I think, yeah. So having, that, having that ability and having that confidence to say no as well um a lot of times you know people come expecting to do something and the conditions won't allow it um but they want to do it um and it's having that point of well okay we can go and have a look you know that you're not going to be doing it but we need to go and have a look because otherwise they just think they're getting the short end of the short straw um but yeah having that ability to say no we ain't doing that today yeah, and that, that's, I think that's where you earn your money sometimes, isn't it? As, as, a, as a coach, as a leader, you know, whichever one you want to talk about, it's, that, it's really easy to go, oh, yeah, we'll do it, because that keeps everybody happy, but it's not going to keep everybody happy in the end. <laughs> so, Absolutely, yeah. I mean, countless yeah. times I, I would have driven on the to go to a bay to go and do something and then gone, actually, we're not doing that, we're going somewhere else. And, yeah, yeah. A friend of mine, I don't know if you know Jules Fincham, he's based up in Scotland. He, he always talks about you have plan A and then you have another plan, but that's also called plan A. And then you have another plan, which is also plan A, because they're all the best thing. You, you, if you can't do the first, the, the plan A, you go do another plan A because it's the next best job. He doesn't call it plan B because he sees that as, oh, it's not as good as what we wanted to do, whereas actually what you're doing is the right thing. And I was like, oh, I get where he's talking about with that. And 
I think it's really interesting mindset. They're going, oh, if we, if we can't do plan A, we're going to do a different plan A because that just changes the way we, we think about things. So I like it. It was his triple A plan, he called it. I really like that. And then do you... Do you it's, also good, like, it's also what? good coaching. So what you said about going to the bay and then finding out you can't go paddling there for that ever reason. But just that whole experience, that's a good coaching tool in its own right as well. Looking at that, maybe going, taking 10 minutes out, going to walk along the cliffs, just have a look to see why we're not going to be using that environment today. So it's all part of coaching and adapting what we've got as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can think of a few times where I want, you know, maybe a classic trip like around the stacks. And I've got a group looking very disappointed at why we're not doing it. And we've been up to South Stack and then they've been really pleased we haven't been doing it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's, it's easy to, we could just say no and go somewhere else and they don't get that learning experience. So I think, that's, yeah, it's a, it's a good call that. And do you think, so obviously you, you trained as a coach, but you're also trained as a leader. And do you see those as you're, you're doing one or you're doing the other? Or do you see them as like a, you do one and then the other and then back to, back to coaching and back to leadership or do you see it more as a, uh, a kind of a blended approach to how you work that's the age-old debate isn't it is as a coach a leader as a leader a coach in my mindset I do believe a leader has to be a good coach I know we're taught through the whole process that you're giving top tips um, but I do think you need to be a coach and as a coach you also need to be a leader I do believe they go they go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm 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 totally with you, it's in, especially in in the sports, not just sea kayaking, but in any adventure sport, really, where we're out, especially if we're doing journeys and that kind of thing, where we're. I don't think we switch one off and one on. I think it's it's constantly thinking about what's the best thing to be doing, what's the style that I need to adapt now. I think yeah, that's good. I, I just see some people that go, oh, I'm coaching today or I'm leading today. I'm like, I don't I don't think there's I don't think they're that separate. I think there's a lot of, a lot, a huge amount of crossover. And I've definitely, seen, you know, I've seen people that have been out leading and they're definitely not coaching. <laughs> Whereas they really could, if they were coaching, they'd be really, they, they would have had a much better day for sure. So the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was um, that as I, I spend a lot of time with competition coaches now in my role, who they're pretty much there every day with their, with their athletes. Uh, in in training and in competition and that's really different from us in 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 a if we're working in a recreational sort of area so and I sort of set you this question before is how do you you're coaching people long term and they're going to want to go off and have their own adventures they're going to want to go and do their own trip around the stacks or their own trip up in Scotland how do you how do you build the confidence in them to be able to go and do that on their own without you somewhere where it might be their first their first proper trip without you as a coach what's that process like to be able to for you to feel like you can say to them yes you're you're good to go and for them to go but we want you with us how, how does that process work that independent paddler for me personally as a coach um every time i see a student from day one I want that student ultimately to have the ability to become independent. So right from day one, I try and get away from the case of, right, this is what we're going to do, we're going to follow me. I try and get away from that. So right from day one, it sounds very, such a small step to going off and doing an expedition or doing a trip around the stacks by yourself, but I want them to be able to get on the water independently. 
if we've got a small bit of surf as we progress, I want them to be able to get out for the surf independently, um, rather than have somebody stood there harping them with a spray skirt and pushing them into the water. So I think it starts from that getting onto the water as that independence, making decisions for themselves again right from the beginning. So it's not just a case of right, this is our session, this is what we're going to do. What do we want to gain from this session towards the future? What are our long-term goals? How are we going to make what we've got in front of us today work? And then each time we're doing something, I see like myself as, as a facilitator. And then we're trying to, trying to do something. Every single session, there's something that it's not about today, Peach, you're going to be doing this because then you'll be able to do that. But there'll be little things that's developing you within yourself. So the next time, oh, you've suddenly got out to that surf by yourself and you've landed through that surf. Or you've actually shown me where I should go to land through that surf. So I'm kind of using you almost to tell me what you're doing and how you're doing it. So there's a lot of emphasis, I guess, on that. As a coach, we want our students to become empowered and to take on ownership of that coaching. Um, I can teach you and show you and enhance all sorts of things. But then if I don't give you some follow-up that you can maybe go and do at home, and then if you don't go and do that at home, then that's never going to really develop. So I think there's, it's a whole process of nothing sort of specific. This is how we're going to do it. It's all these little, little build-ups, like where's it going to be a good place to go paddling today because the wind's doing such and such. Well, actually, we've got a spring tide. If there's going to be a bit of tide through that, is that going to be a possible place to go? Well, let's go and have a look at it to find out. And then we'll make a decision from there. How are you going to go across this bay? So I think it's putting that ownership a lot onto students, which starts from, from the very, very first day. Brilliant. Does that kind of answer the question yeah, at all? That answers it perfectly. So what I'm hearing there is that you're 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 sharing almost like you're verbalizing everything that's going on in your head to help them understand why you're making the decisions you're making, so they can understand that and then getting them to verbalize what they're seeing and what they're thinking so that they then they've got something then to reflect on and something to build on and something to learn from so that they can they you know like you say you could show them the way out through the surf they get out through the surf great but do they understand why you picked that particular launch point and why did you time it with that particular set coming in or, or whatever it happened to be why did you suddenly accelerate when you accelerated and shouted paddle at them pretty quick letting them letting them be part of that journey, I think, is, is really important. And then, like you say, that giving them opportunities to learn for themselves from, from home as well. So, you know, like you said in your intro, the, some of the online stuff that you can do now is, is amazing. The, you know, the tidal planning, all the navigation stuff, um, and there's, you know, there's webinars all over the place at the moment, isn't there, for, for extra learning and, and, and thinking about stuff. So, yeah, I, I, I think having that mindset of, right from the start with your, your students and like you say having that that goal setting so what do you want do they want to be guided every day is that how they see themselves or do they want to be independent paddlers and then once you know that what their motivation is then you can you can work with that and take take them forward i mean blimey i remember a long time ago i had a guy and i tried to teach him rescues and i tried to teach him to roll he didn't want to know any of that because he was only ever going to be guided and rescued and it just completely yeah, it just butted up against me. I was like, but why would you do that? <laughs> but you could go and have all these adventures. He goes, oh, no, I'll just employ someone to take me and look after me. Oh, okay. And it was, it was 
just different than you know I, yeah i've spent my lifetime trying to get people to go and do their own adventures so i'm with you on that one yeah. <laughs> it's yeah it's been individualistic isn't it it's like everybody's an individual and every situation is individualistic it's that like individual in the environment and it's maximizing their own potential as well like some people want to go and do stuff straight away which maybe isn't the safest thing to go and do so then you have to adapt to make sure they realize why yeah. <laughs> as well yeah. then for example i had a friend recently she was going to do her advanced sea kite leisure award and then we went to go for a paddle and it was the most perfect opportunity so it was a really foggy day um so it's like well let's go to the scaries so i got to do all the planning and then she took me to the scaries really really foggy day something she's probably never done by herself in a million years um but what a great little what a great little tool of empowerment so then she felt happy and yeah good little things like that yeah brilliant and a lot of people would shy away from that on a day like that they'd go and do something else wouldn't they and that's Absolutely. taking a really good good learning opportunity yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think that's why again it's also key like to the individuals an awful lot of people you never ever do that with of course but in this environment that's with that person it was the most perfect opportunity and that sort of things that comes up quite a lot i think which is brilliant yeah yeah and then uh, right at the beginning you said about you know you you you're not particularly big and you're dealing with some pretty heavy seas and some pretty heavy boats so how, how do you get around that do you, do you train specifically for the for the sport or do you just go paddling a lot <laughs> what 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 does it like for, for for you Isla? You... when i first started paddling i was doing a lot of solo paddling because um when you're a beginner like no one wants to paddle you know so he's solo paddling and uh, you know you kind of work out make things mistakes and then I thought well, I'd paddle around Anglesey because then people would want to paddle with me but then the opposite happened and they didn't want to paddle with me because paddle around Anglesey anyway then then as you soon start to realize that kit kit's really really important then I was asked when I go paddling by myself do I just paddle or do I work hard and I thought well that's a good interesting that's a good thought and I wasn't I was bimbling and so I had to change my bimbling to my blatting. So like, you know, a, a one hour blat is worth a whole day of bimbling, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I would kind of, I do go work. So when I work out for myself and go on the sea by myself, yeah, but I'm, you've always got to keep on top of your skill, haven't you? Because if you don't, and I think it's happened to us all over lockdowns, it's like a case of, oh, we've got to get out and see again. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you need to keep on top and keep working at it and pushing, pushing yourself within the safe limits as well. Yeah. Yeah, and and using using that time on the water yourself to to build the fitness and build the strength because you know it's really important I think as a coach as a leader that you don't get to the end of every day at work tired. You've got to have that extra in the in the tank that you know I always used to talk to trainee leaders and go at the end of the day could you have towed a few people into that headwind? Have you still got that in in the bank? And that's that's so important, especially on the sea where it could be could be quite a long way that you've got to you got to dig deep and get on with it. And I think that's, it's just nice to hear that you do that as well. And that you, you put yeah, that. I think it's really important. Yeah. Yeah. You see, we also technique as well, doesn't it? I think also gear is so important. It's like when I first started kayaking in this, this plastic green capella, and um, this is kind of maybe going off on the sidetrack a little bit, I don't know, but people say, right, you know, edge your kayak and do this and do that. Well, if your little dot sat in the great big boat where the cockpit comes up to your, out, up to your, your, um, your armpit, it's very difficult to get it to to edge and to manoeuvre so having that right kit that right gear it's so important i think as well so what's um, your what's your gear of choice at the moment then talk us talk us through your gear of choice 
my gear of choice. Okay, well, my gear of choice, I've been helping work on designs for years now and yes. helping a little bit to get the right, not designs, but to get a boat that fits me. So like my day-to-day -day boat, it's the, the Sea Kai UK boats is the Echo. Um, and then my expedition boat is the Pilgrim Expedition. Um, they just fit and they work and I can keep up with anybody and overtake people and it works really, really well. Um, I try and use everything I can that's British. So like, you know, Reed, Jill Cheetah, you know, Caratech up in Scotland, Jeff Turner, who supplies all trailers and that sort of thing for me, and Steve Wetman from Spraydex, Typhoon for dry suits. I think it's really, really important to kind of keep it all local. And then Celtic paddles. So again, things like a paddle, now which is more important, a sea kayak that's really effective and fits you really well, or the paddle that fits you really well. But when I first started out, I was sold a kind of two meter 10 paddle with standard shaft, um, which I kind of managed with. And that's soon changed now I'm on a 204 with a narrow shaft. And I can paddle all day, 50 miles a day, and I'm kind of at my peak with a narrow shaft 204 paddle. Whereas put a standard shaft paddle in my hand, it's only two millimeters wider than a narrow shaft. And the next day I've got problems in my hands and I'm, I'm only aching a lot. So that kit is really, really important. That's not just because I'm small, equally like larger, bigger people have to have that right, right kit that works for them as well. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a, a massive fan of making sure people have got the right, the right kit, the right size, you know, for, for so many, for comfort, for efficiency, for, for staying dry, for staying warm, for all those, all those reasons. And that's what's really nice is manufacturers, you know, are now actually realizing that people are in different sizes and shapes. I, I'm really old. I started paddling in <laughs> in 1984. I started kayaking, and in 1984 I was nine. So um, yeah, I know I don't look old, but I, but I am. Um, and I was in the same size boat as my six foot four kayak coach. We had the same size paddles. We had yeah, it was epic. Whereas now, you know, no matter what size, shape, build you are, there should be. There should be kit that fits you and i think that's made a massive difference and, and do you see yeah. a, a big thing for for some of the women's fit women specific things like buoyancy aids and dry suits and that kind of stuff do you see that has been been a big break yeah yeah definitely and again we're so lucky because i know you no know, chris reed at go to typhoon they're all working with people and they'll custom fit and they'll custom make and everything's really effective like that um but a lot of the women that only fit ones um <laughs> they're all designed women who've got boobs <laughs> Because all these buoyancy aids, they expect that you've got boobs and they've got like three bits at the front to wrap around you. So if I put one of these women fit buoyancy aids on, I can literally, I can't even move myself around. So I've kind of got the opposite problem with a lot of people and trying to find stuff. So I've had to go down to a buoyancy aid that's literally like a really, really basic one. It's going for a compass and that's about it. Yeah. But yeah, that's my biggest struggle is, is getting a buoyancy aid to fit. Okay. But, yeah. <laughs> there's well, a lot keep, more women stuff out there now yeah yeah keep keep that mission going keep keep <laughs> yeah. it's so important you know but the same for you know bigger people smaller people just getting that that right right kit and you know i guess as a coach that's probably part of a big bit of your job as well is making sure people are comfortable on the water in, in what they're using wearing paddling with all that kind of stuff so yeah. yeah it's hard isn't it because when you start like my first kayak my daughter beth and i we've kind of got into it together and went down to card we bought two perception dancers for 60 pounds each and we bought a helmet that was like 15 quid and we bought a jacket it was like a fiver 
and, I, and I think we've got a free spray deck with the kayak. I thought, this is, wasn't a great sport for £100 each, we're sorted, that's it. Then you get into it in more detail and you think, oh my goodness. But then look at another sport like cycling, for example, and a big carbon bike. And once you get into it properly, so that's the other problem. It is, it is a big financial commitment when you do get into the sport. So I think having that awareness that people can't necessarily just go and buy another dry suit or another kayak or actually need to have your spare paddle needs to be, you know, why you've got that spare paddle. Why is it such a giant paddle? Or it needs to be something that you can use. Um, so I'm really sorry, but you may need to go and spend another £300 on a paddle. So it's really difficult, that financial aspect, if you people don't have that financial freedom as well. Yeah, but I bet it's a lot cheaper than your eventing days, though. Uh, it is a lot cheaper than eventing days, but then I was riding other people's and stuff, so it was a different story. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, oh, I think it's a lot cheaper, isn't it? Like, if you get into golf professionally or cycling professionally, I think... Uh, yeah. Once you've got a good sea kayak, I mean, if you look after it, it'll last you for years and years and years, but, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. It's a, it's a big outlay to start with, but once you've got it, the, the places it can take you, the things you can do with it, and the years it will last are amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. oh, one of the magical things of sea kayak, isn't it? There's little tiny little wee boats that's literally invisible on the sea. And we all think we stand out like, you know, big Belisha beacons, but we're completely invisible on the sea. This little tiny, tiny vessel is so seaworthy. And can, well, the kayak can cope with much bigger conditions than those paddlers we can probably cope with. But I just think it's fantastic what we can do with these little boats. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was, when I was selling people the idea of sea kayaking on courses and they're like, oh, I don't know about this. You, there's nothing, there is no other boat on the sea, I don't think, that can get you the, the variety of places that a sea kayak can. You know, you can get into the shallows, you can get into caves, you can, you can go do massive crossings like any kind of yacht can do it's amazing and you can pick it up and put it on your roof which is yeah yeah so no it's a it's a great sport hey we're coming to the end of our time there Isla so um thanks ever so much for talking to us that's been really interesting just getting your insights on how you've developed as a coach and uh you know some of your viewpoints on how you use the environment and changing you know the, that classroom analogy we talked about that's been that's been really good so I'm sure people will enjoy listening to that so thanks ever so much for your time I'm sure you're off to uh, uh work with the sheep again now I think is what <laughs> <laughs> in lockdown so uh, I know I promised I wouldn't make you talk about uh, lambing season but I'm gonna uh, so uh, I'm sure you're learning loads about lambing and <laughs> everything else now but uh, yeah thanks so much for your time it's been great to chat to you thank you Pete I hope there's something in there <laughs> yeah I hope to see you on the water that'll be that'll be better Absolutely. we'll see you soon I'm sure yes yeah, we'll, we'll arrange the next one we'll do some paddling we'll do that that sounds like a fantastic brilliant fantastic. thanks so much I'll, uh, Take care, Pete. Thank you. It's lovely to see you. And you. All the best. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.